Alright guys, welcome to Lighting Up the Marquee. I'm Tim Martin, your host, as you know from the first episode. Um, so, <laughs> let's get ready to talk about the uh, most controversial film since the last most controversial film. We're talking about Captain Marvel today. That's right. The pro-feminist social justice warrior movie, whatever you want to call it. Um, whatever those stupid fanboys, I guess, want to call it. The ones that have been... If you've been seeing on Rotten Tomatoes, they're the ones who were, um, you know, they went on Rotten Tomatoes before the movie even came out and were giving it um, a low, uh, what is it, tomato score, critical score. Um, It was at like a 33% before the movie even came out Thursday night, Um, which is, you know, whenever these superhero superhero movies come out, I think it's stupid that (laughs) that happens on Rotten Tomatoes, but let's... You know, let's let's talk about this movie. So, what's usually what happens with uh, a movie that gets controversy? It's you know, it's fine. I saw this movie on Thursday night, so I wanted to just give it a couple days to you know marinate and let it soak in my mind. I wanted to you know think about it a little bit. I tried avoiding reviews before recording this podcast, but I had a couple discussions with some good buddies of mine, um, and I got a good, pretty good uh, spectrum about this movie actually. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over some of my thoughts about the movie. I'll probably start with like my positives, negatives, um, and then I'll probably go into some of the discussion about what I had with um, a couple buddies of mine. Uh, one really liked it, one hated it. Um, and then, you know, I'm just in the middle of the road about it. So first, let me give you the premise of this movie. This is the latest installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's also the first female-led uh, superhero film in the 10 years of Marvel's uh, Cinematic Universe going. So basically, the premise is Carol Danvers becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. Pretty promising premise right there. Basically, my thoughts on the movie was it's it's fine. Um, it, It definitely could have been a lot better. I tried being super optimistic about it and going into it with an open mind. I'm not really too aware of Captain Marvel. I've read a lot of Marvel and DC comics and I've really haven't really picked up any Captain Marvel comics. I do want to like pick some up and read more about it just to see the long history of this character. But you know, I'm also more of a DC guy, but that's not knocking anything Marvel's done. It's just a, you know, personal preference. You can call me a DC fanboy or whatever, but that's my opinion. And I don't care about yours. But you should still have an opinion, so that's fine. I do care about it. Don't listen to me. This is from the directors Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Um, I was doing a little bit of research about them uh, before the podcast. They are the directors of... Let me pull up their IMDb. Um, they did the movies like Half Nelson. Uh, it's kind of a funny story, and I... Sugar, I think is what it's called. I think that's the movie. Um, So it looks like these are just a couple uh, indie directors that um, Marvel's pulled up to take the helms of a big, big budget movie, Um, which has worked in the past. I think it worked. While I wasn't the biggest fan of Black Panther, I still think it's a pretty good movie, but it worked with um, Ryan Coogler. But I think his two previous movies, Fruitvale Station and Creed, um, I love Creed because I'm a big Rocky fan, but I think those two films show how much more talented of a filmmaker he is. But 
Um, Marvel's done that a lot with uh, indie directors. I think Scott Derrickson was brought up from Sinister. I mean, Edgar Wright's not a indie director, but he was supposed to direct Ant-Man, and then that all fell apart. But um, it's really cool what Marvel does when they're taking all these indie directors and actually giving them um, bigger projects to work on. So I'm going to get into some of the positives of what I thought about Captain Marvel. Uh, the first positive I think I'm going to give it is I thought the performances overall were pretty good. I think the leads of Brie Larson as Carol Danvers and Samuel L. Jackson comes back as a younger uh, Nick Fury were great. I really enjoyed the chemistry and the banter they had between them. It was really fun. It was it felt like a throwback to like the like 80s uh, buddy cop films, you know, so that was a nice touch. It had some pretty good moments between them and the de-aging on Sam Jackson, for the most part, like, I think it's just for me. I thought it looked decent. It looked really good at the beginning. And then there were some parts where I was just like, oh, it definitely looks like they didn't cover up how old Sam Jackson looks. Which is not to say, like, Sam Jackson does not look bad for, I believe he just turned 70, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he just turned 70. So, like, he does not look bad for his age, but... He does not look like a 20-year younger Sam Jackson. And that's like, that's a big issue I have with a lot of these de-aging movies is like, we know what these actors look like 20 years ago because they were on films. So the whole time I was just thinking about, so the movie set in 95, so that's Pulp Fiction era Sam Jackson, but I'm also thinking about Jackie Brown, Sam Jackson, and he definitely looks a little similar with the de-aging, but he does not look... Definitely parts when, like, he laughs, you can definitely tell Sam Jackson has aged quite a bit since good old Jackie Brown and Pulp Fiction. Two Tarantino movies I highly recommend if you want to watch them. Most of you have already seen Pulp Fiction, but I also recommend Jackie Brown. It's a good movie. It's a good time. The other performance I really want to talk about is Ben Mendelsohn I thought was great. Um, I really liked his role. I don't want to... This is going to be a spoiler-free review, so I really don't want to get too much into the plot and then characters, but I think Ben Mendelsohn was great. If you followed his career for a while, um, it'll be a great new addition to his filmography and just him as a performer in general. It's a, it's just go see it. If you've been following Ben Mendelsohn for a while, um, it's nice to see him get a role like this. And then we have to address the Stan Lee cameo. It's not a Marvel movie without Stan Lee. And I believe this was the first, I believe this is the first movie since he passed away. Yeah. Um, so this is the first Marvel movie since uh, he unfortunately passed away last November. And I think that was probably honestly <laughs> the best part of the movie was his little cameo. Especially if you're a film buff and know anything about that time period. It's a really nice reference. And also the tribute they did at the beginning to Stan was great. Um, I loved the audience I saw it with. It had a huge clap, and I believe actually some people did like a standing ovation, which, I mean, that's a little much for a movie, but, you know, I didn't mind it. It was opening night for Captain Marvel, and I thought it was great. The cinematography in this movie, they, it did some interesting things that I actually was, I liked. I wish it would have done a little bit more, but it doesn't quite reach what I would call great cinematography. It does some cool sequences, but it doesn't do a lot throughout the whole film. And then I'd probably say the best fight scene is, I believe it's in the trailer, is when she's in the cuffs. 
Um, they show a little bit of it in the trailers, but that's the fight scene I'm talking about when you go see that movie. That's probably the best, most memorable fight scene in the entire film. Um, so yeah, those are just a few of my positives. I actually am looking at my notes right now, and I was writing quite a few, <laughs> quite a few negatives. So, like I said, this film isn't great. It's not terrible. Right now, the Rotten Tomato score. Critically, it's at a 79%, which is 1% better than Green Book. So that's, I mean, that's the best picture from last year. So if technically Captain Marvel's best picture 2019, 2020, um, that's Tim's lock of the year for best picture, I guess. So everyone hold me to that. Um, But its audience score is at a 55. um, And I think when I checked that yesterday, it was at a 36. So it's, it has jumped up a bit because I still think they were trying to get rid of a lot of the trolls that were on it. 55 sounds actually about right. About That's not what I would give it, but that's about... I'm like middle of the road with this movie. Um, I'd probably bump it up to 60 at least. But some of my negatives about the film. Um, as much as I think it's cool that they got these indie directors to come in and do a big budget action film, nothing really stands out as from a director standpoint. It's not really, it doesn't even feel like it has a style to it, which is unfortunate because even like, like I said, Black Panther, there is definitely some Ryan Coogler style in it. It still feels very much like a Marvel movie. There wasn't really anything in Black Panther that I could recall that I was like, oh man, this is a Ryan Coogler film. Or actually, here's a better example. Um, compare it to Thor Ragnarok, which was directed by Taika Waititi. Um, great filmmaker. If you haven't checked out his films, What We Do in the Shadows and Hunt for the Wilder People, I highly recommend both of those films. They're probably some of the best comedies that have been coming out. Yeah, both of them came out in the last five years. So those are probably two of the better comedies, um, that have come out in the last five years. But you take a film like that, or Thor Ragnarok... And it, there's definitely a Taika style. It has his sense of humor. There's a lot of interesting music choice, or not like interesting. It's really just like upbeat, fun music, um, fun performances. It's very comedic. You can definitely tell Taika Waititi directed Thor Ragnarok. Where unfortunately, in Captain Marvel, nothing really stands out as like memorable or like unique. Like I couldn't, if you show me this movie and told me who the directors were, I'd be like, oh, cool. I could not tell who would be directing this movie because there really wasn't a style to it, which is unfortunate because you always want, as a director, like I said in the introduction episode, I'm a director, you always want something to stand out in your film. And so people know if they are watching it on TV for five minutes, then go, oh, Tarantino directed this, Edgar Wright directed this, Scorsese. Like you want that people to recognize like it's your movie where this just felt like, the formulaic machine product essentially, which is unfortunate. Another thing was the editing was not that great. This is an action movie. And like I said, at the beginning, the most memorable action scene is something that's shown in the trailer. There's a lot of action scenes where it's edited so poorly and it's become a trend where if your actors can't fight, it's just, you got to chop around it to make it look good or not even look good. You have to chop around it because you, they can't do it on screen. So you have to cut around it because it's a lot of stunt doubles. So they have to mask that it's not the actor, which is bad. (laughs) I've seen a lot of 
really great action movies. They, even compared to Mission Impossible Fallout, those action sequences in that movie are fantastic because it does the wide angle and it shows you everything in frame. The only movie that really does that action scene or like those action sequences, not great, but like it works for it, are the Bourne movies. Because it's it fits the style. It's the Paul Greengrass, and it's that's Paul Greengrass's style. So you would watch the Bourne movies and go, "Oh, this is Paul Greengrass." Where this one, it was just like it wasn't even all the chopping and editing. It was even lit poorly. It was there's a fight scene. I'm not going to get into it. Like I said, this is no spoilers. But there's a fight scene where they're in a ship, and it's pretty dark, except for maybe like a, a strand of light or like um like some beams of light that are hanging on the wall. And I was watching it in IMAX, and I could probably not even tell what was going on most of the time. There was definitely times where I'm like, okay, that's Brie Larson. I don't know who she's fighting, because it's so dark, and they're all wearing pretty dark costumes. So it's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know what's happening. And it's, it's it doesn't really hurt my eyes. I've seen, if you want something that hurts your eyes, go watch Mile 22, where the editing is far worse. and has probably the best, or <laughs> sorry. Mile 22 has some of the worst editing ever. Never watch that movie unless you want your eyes, unless you want to pull your eyes out of your head. Watch Mile 22. Also watch it just for Eco Eco Uwais. I want to pronounce his name right. Uh, let me get his correct pronunciation right. Um... Uh, it looks like Eko Uweis. I'm going with Eko Uweis. If that's not how you pronounce your name, sir, that's how I'm going to pronounce it from now on, and that's how everyone will pronounce it. Your name is Eko Uweis. I have dubbed you that. But he's from... His most uh, popular movies are The Raid and The Raid 2. Two amazing action movies that I highly recommend as well. So those action sequences, and especially him, because he's a martial arts choreographer and a fighter... You have a fighter like him who can do his own stunts and fight on screen. And in Mile 22, they cut so much around him for stylistic choice. It was weird. And I was like, why are you cutting around one of the best martial art fighters in modern cinema? It was stupid. But Captain Marvel doesn't do it as bad as Mile 22. I just went on a rant about Mile 22. (laughs) I never want to think about that movie ever again. But yeah, the editing and like just the lighting and fight sequences, nothing stood out as memorable again. And that goes back to the directing where nothing really, you know, stands out as memorable. That's probably the biggest issue. Um, something I also noticed was the CGI at times was very inconsistent and very wonky. In particular, the cat in the movie, there is a lot of sequences where that cat looks horribly CGI. Like, we are talking... 2005 2000 like mid 2000s cgi level anybody ever see those scooby-doo movies um it it looks like scrappy doo honestly at points and it's bad whoever's listening to me i'm guessing everyone who's listening to this is in a hole uh because that's where i am i wrote a letterbox review um for captain marvel right after the movie just to get like just some quick thoughts out there usually on letterbox i put more of like a some cynical reviews on it i really don't review them seriously on there or my reviews aren't serious but the star rating is i compared or i didn't even compare i said disney blew all their money on cgi on the lion king live action remake 
because even that they showed that trailer before Captain Marvel and as much as I disagree that the Lion King is a live action remake the CGI for those animals does look incredible and it does look realistic and that cat looked horrible I cannot get over the fact how bad that cat looked there's even a part in Captain Marvel where I thought Venom like I didn't think Venom was going to show up but there's a very symbiote um, thing attached to her and then all of a sudden I just started thinking of Venom and if I think about Venom in your movie, that's not a good sign. Something I also noticed throughout the movie that got on my nerves. Um, it felt like Brie Larson, as well of a performance she did and as like good of a job she did to portray this character. She could have been... I was talking about this actually today with um, Nick over on the Post Credits podcast. I called him a little bit. and We were having a little bit of a discussion about Captain Marvel. Because he saw it yesterday, and I wanted to wait to hear his thoughts so I can get some comparisons. And he actually didn't really like Captain Marvel, so we were going over a little bit. And we were talking about the flashback sequences of the movie, how they just show up randomly, and they don't really add to the story where it's like you feel for this character, you understand her. They're just there to... they're, They're there in the movie to empower her, but... It just it just didn't work how the the movie wanted it to. And I was I told him I was comparing it to Batman Begins, where you start that movie off for maybe five or ten minutes. I don't remember how long in Batman Begins, where it's young Bruce Wayne, and it's I think it's intercut or it's right before it cuts to him training um, in the mountains with Liam Neeson. So that way you understand who this character is, and you actually want to root for him and grow with him where this one it was just like yeah this is her struggling and falling as a kid and then she stands so root for her it just didn't work it was done to be stylistic but it wasn't done properly it was just there for the sake of being stylistically and like i said there's no style in this movie so it doesn't work and then another point i want to bring up about that is one of the flashback incarcerations of captain marvel is played by an actress by the name of McKenna Grace, who played young Theo Crane in The Haunting of Hill House. Um, And if anybody who's ever talked to me knows, The Haunting of Hill House was probably my favorite thing I watched, either film or television, of 2018. And McKenna Grace, all the child actors on Hill House are great, but McKenna Grace in particular was also just fantastic. And it just shows that child actors can be more than just plot devices they can actually you know be actors and they give her nothing in captain marvel and i was so bummed about that because i was sitting there and i'm like you have an actress a good child actress in her and you give her basically no lines and barely anything to do so it's just a wasted potential and that's what a lot of things in this movie are it's just wasted potential and opportunities i want to talk about one scene in particular it's the it's the dark fight scene but it involves a jukebox. In the movie, there's a lot of good uses of diegetic sound. For most people that don't know, if you don't know, diegetic means the source of the sound comes from something within the scene, uh, where non-diegetic is just music put over the scene. So, for example, like in a diegetic scene, a, a character, a song could be playing while a character is walking, and then it'll die down because they're wearing headphones, and then they'll take the headphones out, and the music 
goes away because that's what they were listening to. That's diegetic. There's a scene in this movie, or a fight scene in particular, they were using diegetic so good in some scenes where they would show a jukebox or like a record player playing, and then the music would play, and it would mix non-diegetic and diegetic. There's a scene in this movie (laughs) where there's a jukebox in the fight scene, and Brie Larson throws somebody into the jukebox during the fight. But before he hits the jukebox, even before she throws him, a song starts playing, and that scene would have worked so much better and would have been so much more fun if she hit the jukebox and the song started playing and that got like, you know, like these fun, like it would be like Guardians of the Galaxy or like Edgar Wright. It'd be like more fun. But no, they just don't acknowledge the fact that they hit a jukebox and nothing happens. So that was, you know, that's something they could have done to fix it. I don't know who saw that and was like, sold. That's gold. A lot of the 90s stuff like Blockbuster and Radio Shack. It was cool. But it got to the point where I was just like, this is becoming too much nostalgia wave. And that's becoming a problem in a lot of films. It's just like, you know, relying on nostalgia. That's not how you make a good film where it's like, remember this, remember this. It was just like, it got to the point where it was just so overbearing. And I'm like, we get it. Your movie's in the 90s. We remember the 90s. It just, you know, that's it's becoming a problem. And I thought that was like a crutch to the film. Another... As much as I liked a lot of the performances, Annette Benning in the film, as much as I also love her as an actress, her character feels and felt much more like plot device than an actual character, meaning she didn't really have an arc. It was mainly just her being there to guide Brie Larson and guide her to become who she is. And it bothered me that they got such a great actress like Annette Bedding to just do plot device and she's barely in the movie. And it's it was just annoying that they wasted an a a quality actress in Annette Benning and gave her such little things to do. So I know a lot of people are listening to this and thinking, Oh, he, he hates the movie. I again, I don't hate it. I think it could have been a lot better. I just think it's meh. But like these are the issues. You gotta address any movie you have to address like if it has issues it has issues like no movie gets a pass you can't just be like the movie's good because like i don't know it's marvel like it's good it's like you can't give it that pass i'm sorry (laughs) you can't you gotta acknowledge like i was talking to people about venom i was like you can like that movie it's fine it's bad but like if you address it you're like i know it's bad but like it's good like at least you address like it's bad but it's like a guilty pleasure but like, you can't just give things passes just because. So another issue I had with Brie Larson as Captain Marvel was it just felt like extremely like she was just a... Yeah, so I, was, I wanted to make sure I got this right. So Brie Larson's character felt like the definition of a Mary Sue. Um, a Mary Sue is a kind of a trope in film where... It means a character is pretty is almost too competent in a lot of areas, and it just they're just too good at they have no flaws they're perfect they pretty much struggle with nothing, and I know a lot of people say Ray is like that in the Star Wars um, films I to an extent agree but also I think Ray is a much more complex character and also is not perfect she is also flawed. Um, where Captain Marvel 
it seemed like she could get out of any situation un- unscathed and knew how to solve everything. There's a scene in particular, again, no spoilers, but there's a part in the movie that they've been looking for and she solves it just like that after we've been with her for an hour and a half and then they, she just figures it out. Really no explanation at all. And it just was like, you're just too perfect. It's Which is... Again, I was talking with Nick about it, and we were saying like we were going to be bummed, or we think there's a theory that she's just going to come in and have no problem with Thanos, which is going to be a bummer. It's like, as great as a character she is, it's just you're just too perfect. It's the similar thing where it's like it's hard for. It's not really. It's kind of similar, but not really. Where it's like Superman and the Hulk are two of the hardest characters to make solo movies for, is because they're pretty much indestructible and almost perfect. Um, and that's kind of similar with Captain Marvel. It's just like, it seems like she's too perfect. Like, yes, she struggles. But if I'm judging that just alone from this film, I don't think she struggled that much. I saw a couple scenes where she fell as a child. That's about it. And as much as I wanted to like this film, it just, there's so many missed opportunities and so much, again, it's like wasted potential. And I was talking about it with, um, my buddy Ian, who actually has been helping me with this channel, he made the our our logo, which is a amazing logo. I I love the logo and the work he did for it. But we were talking about it, and we compared Captain Marvel to um, Doctor Strange. How their films, their solo films, are kind of meh and not that great. But it would be it's going to be interesting to see them work in a larger ensemble, where like Doctor Strange works really well in Infinity War. It'll be really interesting to see how Captain Marvel works um, with the remaining members in Endgame. But then I was talking to Nick about it, and we can't use that as an excuse either. And I agree, because yes, their movies may be mad, but if you want to get involved in these characters, you should make every superhero movie work. You should make all their origin stories work. It's not just like... Oh, their movie's bad, but they might work in a solo team. It's like you want to invest all your time into making everything good. You don't want to just, you know, wheel something out even if it's not the best product. And, you know, I agree. Every film should be made with the extent or with the intent, sorry, to tell a great story and then get you excited to see more. It shouldn't just be set up to see, oh, let's see what happens in Endgame, which a lot of it felt like. This is kind of a negative and a positive, I want to say. So I am glad that this film didn't follow the Iron Man formula, where films like Black Panther, Ant-Man, and Doctor Strange all felt very similar to how the first, the very first Iron Man uh, was in formula. I was glad this one didn't do the same thing with her, to an extent, because... The reason I give it a negative is because it broke the formula, um, which always, which for the most part, sometimes doesn't always work. Now, let me, let's bring an example. Um, we're going to talk about Rocky Five. So Rocky Five is the only film in that franchise to break the, the Rocky formula. And it is, re- it is regarded as the worst film. And it is. That movie's garbage, but I still watch it because it's Rocky. But I acknowledge that it is garbage. But it's the only one that broke that formula. So it didn't have like a training montage or, yeah, a stereotypical training montage. There's no big 
um, fight at the end. There is a big fight, but it's not like in the conventional way of a Rocky film. Um, so this one, Captain Marvel, it breaks that Iron Man formula and it doesn't break it for the good, which is unfortunate. Um, I'm not saying like the Iron Man formula is bad. Clearly it's not because it worked for that film amazingly and it works for Black Panther, Ant-Man and Doctor Strange, but it just didn't work that they broke it in this film, which is unfortunate because I did for the longest time, my biggest issue going into this movie was I hope it's not another Iron Man. And then I walked out saying that wasn't another Iron Man, which I mean, I mean, you, you could complain that I wasn't pleased or my expectations weren't met, but I mean, I didn't want it to be another Iron Man, but I wanted it to, you know, I wanted it to be more, like I said. And then I think my last negative was the film and the villains in the film felt very lopsided, but they also felt like a step back for Marvel. We've just come off the backs of villains like Thanos and Killmonger from Black Panther, who are two incredible villains. And let me actually even go back farther not too much farther but let's go back to thor ragnarok with um hella uh played by kate kate blanchett while she wasn't the best film in the marvel cinematic universe she had a lot of fun and was a memorable villain where killmonger and thanos are probably two of the best villains marvel the marvel cinematic universe has had um this film just felt very much like a a step backwards for them i think i saw I think it was Chris Stuckman was talking about it. I believe it was Chris Stuckman. He compared this movie to a phase one Marvel movie. Um, but not not like an Iron Man or a Captain America, but it felt very much more like a phase one versus I believe Captain Marvel is the start of phase four or is the end of phase three. Um, let's look at here. The list of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's films. Um, okay, so Captain Marvel is the very last film in the um, Phase 3 of Marvel. And then the very first film in Phase 4 will be Endgame, right? Yes. So this is the very end of Phase 3, but it felt... That saying that went back to phase one from Stuckman is, I'd call it accurate, honestly. Um, I don't think this is the worst film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think I was talking with Nick, and I'm, I don't want to, he's doing a, a review of this on um, post-credits podcast, so I don't want to spoil his review, but I know he didn't like this movie at all. Um, I don't think this is the worst film, though. I believe... Thor the Dark World is still the worst Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I'm not going to rank all the films here because it's over 20, I believe. And I'm not going to sit here and rank worst to best. But this is definitely not... It's not even top 15 for me, honestly. This is not one of their best. It's very much a step backwards. Um, What I wanted to do also... Um, the very last thing I believe I wanted to do before I give my final thoughts, or I kind of did give my final thoughts, but the very last thing I want to do is I want to compare this movie to the other female-led superhero movie, Wonder Woman, which came out two years ago. 
crisp. Um, and I know a lot of people are... Here's the thing. I think Wonder Woman is a much better film and is much more memorable than Captain Marvel will be. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a DC fanboy. And I know a lot of you will think that. But here are my reasons for why I think Wonder Woman is more memorable than Captain Marvel. I've already stated that the fight scenes in Captain Marvel were not memorable. I can already think of a few fight scenes from Wonder Woman. Um, Say what you will about that last act of Wonder Woman, how it falls apart. People still talk about it. They still say it fell apart at the third act. It's memorable, though, so people remember it. I still remember and still love her getting through World War I trenches and walking through No Man's Land and proving that she's she can take on an entire army. That sequence alone was more empowering than probably everything I saw in Captain Marvel. Um, now, are both films perfect and great? Obviously not, no. But I do think Wonder Woman will be remembered far longer than Captain Marvel will be. As much as everyone doesn't like the DC Extended Universe, and as much as I have problems with it as well, I still believe Wonder Woman is a much better film than Captain Marvel will be. And that's unfortunate. It's not unfortunate that Wonder Woman's better. It's unfortunate that Captain Marvel didn't live up to a lot of people's hype and expectations. Um, but I believe that is where I want to end this review and discussion. I do recommend going and seeing it if you're a Marvel fan. Um, if you want to see a good female superhero, um, it's good to have another one portrayed on screen. I think we need more diversity and more inclusion in not only, um, superhero films, but just films in general. And it's great that we're heading in this way. That's why it's so stupid that these... I don't even know what to call it. But, like, all these people that just attack... the Like like I said, all these people that just attack, like, Rotten Tomatoes before the movie even comes out. It's just like, can we just enjoy movies for just being movies? Can we not... Just don't attack movies. Just go enjoy movies. If they're bad, they're bad. If they're good, they're good. But never root for a movie to be bad. Or never... Never want a movie to fail that's so stupid (laughs) um so i will end it there i believe uh, i would give captain marvel maybe a 5.5 out of 10 uh let's bump it up to i'm gonna give it a 6 out of 10 um yeah 6 out of 10 sounds right it's that's about certified fresh on rotten tomatoes mark it down um But yeah, I'm going to end it here. I do recommend going and seeing it if you can see it in the largest screen possible. Um, IMAX or Dolby, highly recommend that. Um, I saw it in IMAX, and there was a lot of great IMAX sequences. But that's where I'm going to end it. Thanks so much for everybody for clicking on Lighting Up the Marquee. Check us out on Apple Podcast and Spotify, and then also go to our Facebook and Instagram at Lighting Up the Marquee. Um, Until the next most controversial film comes out, um, I'm your host, Tim Martin, uh, and I want to thank everybody for listening. 